Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. A very considerable portion of Pausanias' speech in the symposium, and you might say the main thrust of it, the main point of what he's getting at, concerns the intersection of two important matters, one of which has to do with laws, with legal regimes. And we're going to talk about the meaning of what law is here, because it's a little bit broader than what we modern Westerners think of as law, unless we're thinking in societal terms. And he's also talking about something that gets translated as the love of youths, pederastia in, in Greek, literally meaning the love of young boys. But he has something different in mind, you know, something which wouldn't begin with just youths in the sense of boys, but go into adolescence. There's a lot of discussion in there about, you know, why all these sorts of things should be outlawed, actually, in his, his view. But he's interested in how these legal regimes in these different Greek commonwealths or, or city-states, how they deal with this feature of ancient Greek culture, which had been around for, for quite some time. This notion of the beloved and lover relation where the lover is somebody older and the beloved is somebody younger. Now, he's dealing with it exclusively within the context of male-male relations, but there's no reason why we couldn't read this speech as applying to issues like the age of consent in our own time. Pausanias is not making some sort of blanket apology for this practice. As a matter of fact, if you read his, his speech, you'll see that he wants to restrict it to a much narrower range of people than the ones who are allowed to engage in it in his, his city and indeed in, in the rest of Greece. But he's going to outline some different legal positions on this. I said that when we're thinking about law here, Greek, you know, nomos, we have to think a little bit more broadly than what we often might have in mind, which is a law, right? There's, there's a law about this or a law about that. The Greeks had laws in their, their city-states governing particular forms of behavior. So there could be a law you know, forbidding adultery, for example, or a law pertaining to how much you can sell grain for at what time, in what place, to what people. Those are very specific laws. What he has in mind by law, there's, there's two things we want to keep in mind. One is he's talking about law in the singular but he really means it in the plural, but also in a, a different kind of singular. Think of it as a legal regime, a way in which the laws articulate a whole range of, of behaviors, expectations, penalties, what's allowed, what's not allowed. But, you know, the Greek word nomos doesn't just mean a written law that's down somewhere that's being enforced in a very definite way. It also means something like custom. So the mores would be another way of thinking about this, the social expectations about how things ought to go. They might not be written down. Eventually, over time, they will get written down, but that's not a necessity at the time that he's talking about, and we'll see why. 
Pausanias is a resident of Athens. He's actually the lover of Agathon, and the whole speech that he's making here may in fact be, as many commentators have pointed out, rather self-interested. He's trying to make an exception for himself and justify his, his own behavior while delegitimating that of, of practically everybody else involved in it. But he is engaging in some really interesting, although fairly crude, legal analysis or analysis of other political regimes. He's engaging in some comparative ethnography, we could say, at least within the realm of Hellas or, you know, the Greek-speaking world. So he's going to talk about other Greek city-states as having simple and straightforward laws, simple and straightforward ways of understanding this male-male relationship in which the lover is older, the beloved is somebody who's in his adolescence, and, you know, how is this going to be viewed by, by the populace and by those who are involved in it? So, you know, in many respects, it's sort of like the three bears. Goldilocks goes in and it's too hot or it's too cold or too soft or too hard, and there's always something that's just right. Pausanias is going to say Athens is just right, in large part because it doesn't take a simple, straightforward stance towards it. Both of these stances are actually going to turn out to be bad. Bad not necessarily in a moral sense, but bad in the sense that, look, it's just too much, too extreme. It's not actually um, suited well for, for the kind of people that Athenians are. It is suited well for the kind of people that we're talking about here. So he talks about Ellis and Boetia. You know, these are sort of seen as backwoods, hillbilly areas in Greece, places where the people are not as well developed. I'll read you a passage describing what's going on there. And in, in those places, the lover is indulged. If the lover sees somebody and they want to pursue them, seduce them, have sex with them, they get to do so. And even to the extent of being able to force themselves upon the younger person without the their consent. And why is this? Well, Pausanias is going to say, oh, those people are rather inarticulate. <laughs> we'll come back to that in a moment. The other extreme is Ionia, which is actually under the Persian rule. And the Persians don't go for this sort of thing, at least the, the bulk of Persian culture. There you know, were going to be a few exceptions here and there. But the Persians really are not that keen on this sort of thing. And um, the Ionians accept their sort of point of view. So the love of youth is considered to be disgraceful. It's considered to be an aberration. It's not something you're supposed to be engaging in. Why is that? Well, Pausanias has a very interesting answer. They hate freedom. This might be transposed into discussions in our own day. I leave that open to think about. You know, those who you know, want to put repressive laws in place, they just hate other people's freedom. Maybe there's a little bit more to this. So let's go back now, before we go to Athens and, you know, just right place, and let's look at his discussion of these unfortunate, inarticulate Boetians. He says, in Ellis and Boetia, wherever the people are naturally inarticulate, wherever they have not really developed intellectually or in terms of the arts, in terms of a way of life that's got a lot of nuances to it. So this would probably apply to Sparta as well. He says, it's been definitely ruled that it is right for the lover to have his way, nor does anyone, old or young, presume to say that it's wrong. Nobody's going to stand up for the one who's being pursued. They say, well, that's just the way it goes, right? Why? The idea being, he says, to save themselves from having to plead with the young men for their favors, which is rather difficult for lovers who are practically dumb. 
So it's precisely because they're inarticulate that those city-states allow these people to have license and to impose their will rather brutally upon the young object of their sexual desires. So, you know, Pausanias is saying that's not good. We don't want that sort of thing going on. He's not making an apology for that. He's just saying, see, that's how badly off those particular peoples are. Now, he's got a longer discussion of what's going on under the Ionians and also in Persia itself. He says, in Ionia and many other countries under Oriental rule or, you know, Eastern rule, the Persian rule, under the great king, as the Greeks called him, the very same thing is held to be disgraceful. Why? Because they think ill not only of love, but also of philosophy and sport, of competitive sports, on account of the despotism, the condition of having a tyrant and everybody else essentially being slaves under which they live. So because they don't have any experience of genuine freedom, they're not really sure what they're missing out on. They do know that they're, they're afraid of freedom, and this sort of behavior is likely to lead to exercises of freedom. Not just freedom in the sense of license, getting to do whatever what you want to, but rather it's going to lead to a more substantive mode of freedom in which genuine friendships develop. And he gives some examples here. He says, It doesn't suit the rulers for their subjects to engage in high thinking, that's philosophy, or staunch friendship and fellowship, which love more than anything is likely to beget. Those who seize the power here in Athens learn the same lessons from bitter experience, for it was the might of Aristogiton's love and Harmodius's friendship that brought their reign to an end. Athens had its own tyrannies, and tyrants generally, this is actually quite true, Tyrants and totalitarian societies want to keep people from developing fully as human beings because when they do, it's rather unpredictable. And they tend to say things like, well, you know, maybe we don't need these tyrants in place. Maybe we can live a different way. So it says, wherever the, the law enacts that it is wrong, wrong across the board to yield to the lover, you may be sure that the fault lies with the legislators, the ones who are in charge. That is to say, it's due to the oppression of the rulers and the servility of their subjects. So not only do the rulers come down on them, you know, and try to control everything, the subjects themselves, the people who are in that, they also replicate that by, you know, keeping that norm in place. And when they see something like that happening, oh, that's bad. Don't do that sort of thing. So they kind of deserve each other, Pausanias would say. Now, we had the too hot, too cold, or too strong, too weak. And now we have Athens. And Athens is in the, the realm of the just right. Athens has more complex laws. And that's what makes them confusing. Whenever we have a difficult subject to deal with, something that's very important because most important subjects that, that deal with you know, social life and how we behave tend to be rather complex. And when we're dealing with these rather complex subjects, we need equally complex laws. We need equally complex systems of rules and norms and the ways in which we, we evaluate and understand things. We need that sort of thing in place because if we're simple-minded, we're going to go wrong. So Pausanias says, look, there's a lot of paradoxes that arise, and we're going to do a whole video on the paradoxes of love that are revealed in the attitudes that people have. 
we can say, you know, if we want to boil it down here so we can keep moving through this, this particular idea, the paradoxes are that the lover on the one hand seems to be encouraged in his action of pursuing the beloved. As a matter of fact, people and the legal system as well will cut that person all sorts of slack that they wouldn't do if they were motivated by other things. On the other hand, we see that there's a kind of opprobrium attached to being the one who is going to be the beloved. The one who's going to, in this case, you know, we're talking about a relationship, a male-male relationship in which you have an older man who is the lover, younger man who is the beloved. It's going to be most likely a sexual relationship, at least, you know, at a certain point where the male who is older is going to be the active one. The male who is younger is going to be the passive one. And it's felt to be, in some respects, shameful to submit to that. It's, it's in a certain respect, unmanly. To, to be the passive one. It is considered to be, you know, manly to be the one who's, who's active. So should the beloved submit to the lover? Or should we allow lovers to actually pursue and in some respect, you know, impose something shameful upon the beloved? He brings up the example of parents, you know, who say, you know, I, I don't have a problem with this in general, but not with my kid. And so there's a paradox there. There's an ambivalence within the Athenian laws. Now, Pausanias has a good explanation for what's really at the bottom of this. He says that the resolution to these paradoxes lies in understanding that there's more than one kind of love, more than one kind of sexual attraction. Here I've got it in terms of good and bad, but if you looked at the previous video, you understand that he's talking about a heavenly and an earthly, or a all good and a mixed good and bad sort of love. The good love is, you know, coming from the heavenly Aphrodite. It knows what it's doing. It loves not just the person's body, so it's not just about the superficial, but it, it loves their personality, their soul, who they really are. It's, it's one that can last through time because it's not based on something that's going to fade away right away. The bad love is based on the superficial. And so why are these paradoxes there? Because when we say the word love, we don't know which one we mean. And we should, in fact, discourage people from relationships that are structured solely by the bad love. Because you don't know how it's going to turn out. It could turn out good for them. Maybe it's mutually beneficial and there's lots of pleasure and nobody gets hurt. But there's no guarantees of that. And all we have to do is consult our own experience. We don't even have to think about relationships where there's some sort of age imbalance or power imbalance. We can think of relationships between equals. And when they are just a matter of people getting it on, jumping into bed, hooking up, as, as we say nowadays, a lot of times people do get hurt. And why do they get hurt? Because they act as if they are being motivated by this good love when really it's just this random act of involving themselves in intercourse willy-nilly with somebody just because they have a good body, they have a nice face, they you know make them laugh at that moment in time, or they're drunk, right? You could talk about beer goggles and their distortive effect in producing what we call bad love here, usually around closing time. So, Pausanias is saying this actually provides us with a good way of understanding why the Athenian laws are so complex. He says that the law distinguishes the lovers, the ones who are engaged in the act of, of pursuing, lovers that are to be encouraged and lovers who are to be avoided. So which lovers are to be encouraged and which are to be avoided? Well, that depends on the good and the bad love. 
depends on several factors. He lays out some, some rules of thumb for us. Time is a factor in this. The younger person, the beloved, the one who's being pursued or perhaps seduced, the one that the older person is in love with, should not give in to them too quickly. Why? Because if they do, then there's a good possibility that it's just this bad love. And that bad love is not going to stand the test of time. So you know, put it in you know, much more contemporary terms, if you want to be sure whether the person who's pursuing you really is loving you with the right kind of love for the right kind of reasons, hold out on them. Don't give it up right away. Make them work for it, as we would say, right? The motive. He talks about various motives that, that people you know, give in to this. He says it's immoral to give in when the surrender is due to different sorts of considerations, financial considerations. He would not be for prostitution or all the other things that we don't call prostitution, but which really amount to prostitution. Sleeping with somebody so they can give you access to the party. Sleeping with somebody because they have a nice house, a nice car, a nice boat. Sleeping with somebody because they take you out for fancy dinners. All those sorts of things would be financial considerations. Political considerations, you know, what, what he's talking about there is being advanced. So we might not just think about this in political terms. We can think about this in social terms. Do you sleep with somebody who is older than you, who, you know, really is infatuated with you, who is going to give you a lead for a job or perhaps is going to promote you within a company? He would say the law should forbid that sort of thing because that's just an example of this bad, merely bodily love. Uh, unmanly fear of ill treatment. If you're giving in just because you're worried about somebody imposing force upon you, he says that's also shameful. And the law should keep that sort of bullying, uh, essentially verging on rape, not verging on rape, but it is rape, from occurring. He says, if the youth fails to show the contempt he should for any advantage he may gain in pocket or position. Why? Because in motives like these, we find nothing fixed or permanent except perhaps the certainty that this is not a noble friendship. So what is supposed to be going on here? It's not just supposed to be about having sex. It's not just supposed to even be about romance or the, the feeling good that comes with infatuation. It's supposed to be about something a bit higher, a bit more honorable. Not just a bit more honorable, quite frankly, much more honorable, and that is virtue. He says that if this sort of thing is going to go on, what the laws should allow is the virtuous lover to pursue the youth who, through their connection, through their engagement over time, through seeing their example, through perhaps even a sort of mentoring or teaching, is going to acquire virtue so that the younger person submits for the sake of virtue. Pausanias is, in fact, proposing a restriction of the Athenian laws. He's saying there's too many loopholes, too many confusions that allow for lovers who really shouldn't be involved with younger people to get involved with them. He doesn't want to go so far as, you know, Ionia of Persia and say, ban it altogether, not least because he wants to have his own relationship with Agathon, who by now is a young man. Their relationship is going to continue throughout their life as, as perhaps a model of this sort of thing. But he also wants to say there are situations in which this power imbalance, this age imbalance could in fact be appropriate. We can't legislate without looking at the characters of the people who are involved. If we do that, 
we're going to take one of these simple and straightforward to too much, too little sort of uh, resolutions, and that won't be good for anybody who's involved. So that's what's going on with all this discussion of law in Pausanias' speech. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.